You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Reed, your resident guru here on Liz Life Guru podcast on mental health and substance abuse. I am here with my good buddies, engineer Jessica, Shannon, and Julie, both good friends of mine, one an ex patient and my prodigy. Oh, it has done so phenomenally well. We are here today to talk about helping an addict from A to Z to regain their life. So there's a whole lot that goes along with that, and um, part of that is knowing where to start. So families often find it extremely difficult to even diagnose if there is a problem, there may be suspect of a problem. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through A to Z and talk a little bit about our own experiences and how you can help your family member get sober. How are you, ladies? Good. Thank yeah? you for having me again. Oh, thank you for coming. Jules, how Fantastic. are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. I like hearing that. That's awesome. We're just going to put a shout out to Jax uh, that he, you were supposed to be there for special person day today and you didn't go. You sent your oh poor God. old mother. <laughs> I encouraged an alternative. I did not... I don't think I you're mean, a good woman. On. No, parents you're a good shouldn't woman. Be, it was special person's day, but parents shouldn't be, you know, I get to be a special person every day. You know, that's <laughs> funny because there's a whole lot of people out there that are dying to be their child's special person. <laughs> but I am a special person. <laughs> that's awesome. You're lucky. You're and fortunate. And so is his dad. I mean, we yeah. are his special people, but like, sure, sure. he's got a lot of love to give. He can, he could spread it around a spread, little. Uh, that, that's such a healthy attitude. Shannon has a really good relationship with her son, too. Mm-hmm. How is he doing? Isn't he hitting his teenage years or tweens? He's 12, about Oy. to be 13 oh. on, yeah, mm-hmm. February 28th. So. Is there any, like, close to throttlings coming or is he that lippy? Is he a good boy? <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely uh, hitting that defiant stage of and questioning yeah. everything and the sure. fine line of um, having his independence, but yeah. yet still not wanting to follow through on any responsibilities and yeah. all that funness. That's a tough one because I, you know, I'm not a parent. I'm I have a stepdaughter, but I mean, I was I, I never had any children, and I understand that one day they're their loving, beautiful child who mm, thinks the world, uh, you know, is it. all about you, and then one day it's like. Ah! You know, I'm not doing that. I'm right. not doing this. And I have this fantasy it's going to stay this way forever. Okay, uh, well, we'll go with that. <laughs> Fantasy's good. <laughs> I still remember the day walking with Ty. And of course, you always hold his hand when they're little. And where yeah. he like pulled away and was it, it was too cool to hold my hand. <gasps> oh. Yeah, that hurt. Mm-hmm. But then it was cool. There was that in-between stage where he would forget. And like I would go and he'd go, <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden yeah. he'd remember and almost be like, gosh, yep. like pull it away yeah. like he was mad at himself. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, it's got to be tough. I, I mean, I, it's, a, it's a thankless job. My mom used to say that all the time to be a it good is. parent and adore your children so much and they change and you don't. <laughs> uh, we have reached the no kiss in front of school phase, though. Uh-oh, have How we? old is your child? He's in kindergarten. I feel like it's a little early for that. Don't yeah. you? <laughs> like, well, he is really good looking. So <laughs> He may really have a looking. lot of women on the line over there. <laughs> he may. <laughs> he he may. may. God only knows. Well, I, mean, I have in s- special instructions as to where I dropped Tyler okay. off now at middle school. Um, and it's a certain distance so away from... So seventh grade? Yeah. yeah. Okay. My my patient was telling me this the other day. Her son, he started in a new school, and uh, he dodges her now. Oh. He asked her to come pick him up at school, so she's got the one in tow and the stroller, you know, and she's going to school, and he's like, you know, shaking his head, beat it, beat it. you know, get that. She's like, whoa, what's going on? So she. Ended up walking. He was with a friend and walked down the other side of the street, pretending like she didn't know who he was, you know, but you know, what are you going to do? They grow up and they move on. Right. So it's our job. Um, I had a nasty little patient in the other day who decided she doesn't want to come to treatment anymore. Okay. She's 13 years old. I'm like, cool. I don't treat patients who don't want to come here. Um, Her parents let her do whatever she wants. 
And um, her mother's like, well, you know, I, I don't know. We just really don't want to put any pressure on her and put lay down the law. Mm. Yeah. Let and, her make the rules. That's a good choice. Yeah. Without a doubt. At 13, of course, she knows it all. You right. know, I'd be <laughs> listening to my third. <laughs> For sure. I said, you know, we give birth to babies and we raise adults, mom, you know, mm-hmm. and she just kind of looked at me and like, yeah, have a good day. Give me a call uh, in two weeks when she's banging off the walls again, you know, and you've lost control. Mm. Anyways, that's, I think, a lot of patients um, that I have seen, along with a lot of families, like we're going to be talking about today, are frightened of their children Mm -hmm. and are scared to confront them with an issue like you may have an addiction problem. Mm -hmm. So that is where A starts. How do we even identify or recognize that there's a problem with somebody? What do you guys think? What would you say? What are the things that you notice? I know there's the obvious ones, you know, bad attitudes, sleeping in a lot, changing their friend group. Yeah. Missing right. money. I mean, I guess that depends on how young we're talking, like really young kids. But yeah, like what you mm-hmm. said, bad grades. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know like if they don't have any money. They're not showing up to stuff. They're not looking so good. Mm-hmm. A lot of weight loss or maybe even a lot of weight gain if it's a lot of drinking maybe or mm-hmm. bloating mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a good one but i was pretty nasty i got a little snippy yeah. i know even just from i guess probably based on my own experience through addiction though seeing um and some of the research i've been gathering is like the there's these personality traits and i've noticed that now and it scares me to see within my son yeah and i think uh-huh. it's evident and if you look at and start paying attention to certain personality traits within children um, you'll see that um, even with him, like he has issues with eating or using like food as an emotional, yeah, you know, tool, right, which right. in itself, um, that inability to like, and he'll even admit, like, I can't stop once I start eating, like, where he'll go through a whole bag of cookies or something, or that um mentality that I think I had the same um lack of concept of um fear or repercussion of mm-hmm. um. Mm-hmm different activities mm-hmm. um but do you think like a person who didn't have a psychology background would reckon i know exactly what you're talking about i can mm-hmm. even pick out like sure the kinder- kindergartners that i'm like oh boy there's rehab in that kid's future right yeah but like i don't know other people don't see it the same way i mean i, I can recognize that mm-hmm. stuff as an addict and someone who's had some some schooling mm-hmm. but i don't think like an average mom would be like oh my god he loves oreos like right. is that an issue but um, I agree with perhaps him. or just even I guess more that mentality like he more, <laughs> even more, at more. a young age of um his ability to manipulate yeah and yeah figure things out um mm-hmm. like and uh, you know because we've you. talked before even like the um like once I channeled all of my um quote negative um addict qualities into you know positive way I yeah. think we all are, they're extremely gifted and it actually can be quite an asset for so sure those, absolutely when used correctly. Um, you know, there's creates brilliance, but I see in him some of those qualities as far as um his ability to think outside the box and even with what he does with his homework and he's figured out just ways of looking at the um entire picture of uh his schoolwork that's due and which projects weighs more and so he can get away with only doing this yeah. and still get this grade and right. skip those yeah. and just that mm-hmm. whole way it's like a mentality of thinking and um Manipulation is huge. His ability to kind of mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. think in advance to get what he wants the way he wants to get it. Mm-hmm. Different traits that um, seem to be, I guess, personality traits. Yeah. Whereas- and, yeah. and that's where it's going to be kind of dicey because that can also be misconstrued with high intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, because- and, but most addicts are extremely highly intelligent. A- absolutely. And, you know, ways of getting around things. I mean, I, I know with even, you know, going back to school and college, people were like sitting there reading and reading all these chapters and chapters. Granted, I was in my 40s, but I'm like, no, I know if I just scan this and yeah. I go to here, right. I got the whole thing down yeah. and I've done it in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And where he may be thinking that at that point. And I do think you do have a valid point. When you're in the industry, when you're an ex-addict, right. and this is part of our lives, we recognize the addictive behavior, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about now, that can be addictive in so many mm-hmm. other aspects besides just 
drugs. Right. Food is extremely addictive. Video games as well. Video games. It's huge. Sure. And absolutely. So how do we, uh, so if we recognize, well, first of all, there's so much denial. Families usually yeah. start in denial, For especially sure. if you have submissive family members anyways, like mother or father mm-hmm. is submissive. They're going to prey on that one first mm-hmm. and the most, and they'll keep coming back while the other one may put up some type of resistance towards what's going on. Mm-hmm. So how do we even approach or make a clear decision that um, there's something going on here? We've recognized these are kind of different behaviors and we have to do something about it. You know, what are, how are, what, you know, I know what works would, would have worked with me. I don't know. A lot wouldn't have worked with me though when I was in the middle of my addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if people would have just come right at me and said, Hey, listen, you know, you got to do something. You're, you know, drinking way too much. Right. I, I would have been like, you can fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll for me, ready. What, what, something that really would have helped me is that if they would have stopped, like, if they would have cut me off years before they did. Well, we're going to get into that. The enabling, yeah. the whole yeah. enabling thing. But yeah, I guess that comes later. But right away, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I mean, it's different for everybody, I think, what's going to work. Yeah. I mean, was there any kind of a talk that ever would have helped you? I don't think so. I mean, I think about that a lot. That's something I think about. Uh Because, you know, as we've spoken about and I've talked about on here before, you know, the culture in my family was a lot of fun drinking. I had... It looked really good. There mm-hmm. were, were a whole lot of people who were having a really good time and were not having consequences. So yeah. I grew up like not waiting, not being able to wait to be part of that culture. Um, so I think about that and I think about the couple. I remember when I got my first DUI and I was like, I don't know, in my early 20s. And this man who was known to me as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous for many years, who mm-hmm. I loved and respected, kind of said, so, kid, you ready? Because he had observed me for many years, like yeah. acting like a crazy person. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, I'm not an alcoholic. But like I think about when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, when I was just starting. But I mean the problem behavior was for sure there, mm-hmm. right? So but I think of like if the coolest person in my life at that time would have been like, hey, I think he might have a problem. I would have been like, next? Like I yeah. wouldn't have been like, Really? Well, I don't think I, you could have told me anything. Sure. And I remember an alcoholic saying to me one time, because, you know, hair of the dog. Yeah. You know, I had yeah, learned yeah. about that long time yes. ago. That's any, any layman out here doesn't know what we're talking about. Hair of the dog is taking a little more of what you did the night before to help you feel better. Mm-hmm. And I was having a Bloody Mary and he was a full blown alcoholic. <laughs> he said to me, he said, he said, uh, you don't want to do that, Liz, because you're going to end up an alcoholic. And I'm like, what the, how dare you? You know, you're an alcoholic. Right, right. You know? How dare you? Yeah, I was really indignant about it. Really yeah. indignant about it. So is there, do we know of any successful way to broach somebody in who's an addict that, you know, is going to accept what you have to say? Gosh. It's difficult because, <laughs> yeah. like you said, every yeah. situation is unique. Um, mm-hmm. I know, um, the whole intervention thing within a family like that seems to be. I mean, yeah. some, sometimes it, it works, work. but I think yeah. sometimes it pisses people off. It has an sure. opposite effect. Coming you know? at them with compassion. I mean, we do know that coming at and them I hard mean, isn't going to work. Yeah, I don't think it ever hurts to plant the seed, but I also think if you plant the seed too hard, then they're just going to resent you and hate you and keep sec- keep more secrets. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I I don't know. I mean, I, for me, I I really do kind of believe that it's about hitting that bottom and hopefully it's not your absolute worst bottom i mean i i hope for everybody that they can get out before that elevator really like plummets to the crashes without a doubt and so and i think go ahead i'm sorry jules no no that's okay it's i was just gonna say and that gift of desperation when you're like so desperate you have no place else to go but like which is huge i need help which is huge but you know um so this is going to be in different aspects like is this your husband at home with you right is this your child at home with you Mm -hmm. or is this a friend living in an apartment not near you, you know, that kind of thing. And so the deal is, <laughs> I'm laughing, she has, yours is on backwards as well, too. Can that you makes hear? Yeah. I'm like, why does that hurt so much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing big earrings. Oh my God, yeah, your, yeah, your ear, your, one of your ear things is turned awkward. Flip it anyways, over. anyways, there we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow, now we're anyways, Momentary technical difficulty. Okay, so you, how you approach... <laughs> Such a huge difference. It's so much better. Yeah, isn't it when you can hear with two ears instead of one? And it's not digging into your cranium and your earrings. 
Okay, that's hilarious. Any okay. hootie. Okay, so it's going to depend on where somebody is in your life. Okay, if it's your child, if it's your husband, if it's your mother, are they living with you? Or are they not living with you? How do we broach these people? You know, um, the first thing we agree on is, you know, recognizing that there's a problem. So what you can do is if you're getting a little nervous, head your butt over to some other people that are going to support your decision. Hey, Aunt Sally, do you think mom has a problem with alcohol? Usually these conversations have already gone on, right? Mm-hmm. There's been some scuttlebutt and some texting back and forth about what has happened. And, you know, don't you think she drinks too much? She's out of control at the last party we had or whatever. And if they don't live with you, it's hard to draw hard lines there, really hard lines. But the but in masses, if there's more support, if you can all agree, but people get really scared that the patient, the person, their loved one is going to um, – hate them for life. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they almost rather see them in addiction than have them hate them. Yeah. And that's really hard on parents. That's why they keep enabling. Right. Well, and like I always say, like I behind every like horrible alcoholic is their equally sick like codependent who's mm-hmm. doing everything they can to like kill themselves right along with you, like trying yeah. You know, yeah. and so that's that's a really tricky part of it. Living that, in their addiction. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like, what can I do? How can I help? I'm going to fix you, fix you, fix you. And like, mm-hmm. that's just not, it's just not the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And in part of it, so, you know, um, the mental health aspect mm-hmm. that, Shannon, you can relate to this with me is a lot of the time it's like with the chicken or the egg, you know, is this person using drugs or alcohol to help manage an anxiety disorder, depression disorder, whatever it may be, psychosis even, mm-hmm. you know, schizophrenia, whatever it is, or are they truly um, addicted? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so we never know. So traditionally, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I ha- I'm not working completely in addiction anymore, but um, it's, it's typically about six months after recovery that correct. we decide. Yeah. At least six to nine months, you yep. should not be placed on medication is recommended yeah. mm-hmm. um to see where you're at and what you actually need yep and where and have it, that it, that uh, gives the brain time to remap itself back mm-hmm. to its hemostasis it's normal mm-hmm. so then we have a clearer um clearer idea of what's going on right and um so that's so if you have a history of mental health issues within your family, this is an important factor to take into consideration. Right. You know, wait, you know, wow, what is our family history? This may be a mental health disorder. You can define, define that by how the child acted as a child. Were they having bad night terrors, trauma, whatever it may be? Uh, an adult who has in abusive relationships, had abusive relationships, uh, bad accident, post PTSD from whatever it may be. You know, is it mental health? health that is causing the addiction is it a combo of both is it heredity because that's huge mm-hmm. our heredity is huge right. yeah but even just i think the way that medication and such is prescribed with the whole mental health is an issue that where we've talked before mm-hmm. um i had several events that took place when i was younger 16 17 18 that um precipitated you know acting out and whatnot and my parents didn't know what to do i you know was taken to a psychiatrist and labeled all these different things and given a barrage of medications because that was going to cure me, mm-hmm. in which then I was being prescribed things like Adderall and Xanax. And that mm-hmm. is where mm-hmm. the, the, you know, yeah. I mean, I was using outside drugs as far as partying and stuff as well, where I think the addict mentality was present. But so now I'm being prescribed medications from a doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm abusing them. And it like, it's kind of hard to differentiate as far as once you get, um, labeled that and you're on medications and the only reason i did that for years and years like Mm -hmm. quote successfully you know mixing in other drugs and things in the midst of that but it wasn't until i actually did heroin where it was apparent to my and then you get into okay something going on my parents knew something was wrong they had no clue what was and finally you know i think i hit my breaking point and admitted what i was doing Mm -hmm. but then i guess separating the two sometimes is a difficult thing to do because you get put on these medications for just mm-hmm. um, life events that happen. They like you have um, no outlet and no, you know, real see- like seek real treatment for mm-hmm. where you're not necessarily have a mental illness. So- exactly. Exactly. But the thing of it is, you know, is 
there, there's now longitudinal studies that are showing that young adults that were put on Adderall, which was in Ritalin, mm-hmm. the drug of, you know, the 90s and late 80s, early 90s, those kids that have been on or antidepressants have been on something for so many years that that is leading to addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. It was definitely over prescribed to many kids, boys who are just being boys or if you can't, you know, focus like uh, like a grown adult on your homework, then there's something wrong with you. Right. You know, I don't agree with that. You know, I'm not a big one for pharma. I'm not a big advocate of mm-hmm. pharma unless it's absolutely necessary. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'm open about the fact that I take something and I see patients all the time. I, You know, you'd be surprised. I... So many of my patients that come in with the worst anxiety disorders and the worst debilitating clinical depression don't want to take anything. And I'm saying, dear God, you're not getting out of bed. Well, I don't want to be labeled that person. Mm. You've lost 35 pounds since I last saw you. You, what do you mean you don't want to be like, right. well, I, I, I don't want to, you know, my kids to know what kind of father, what kind of mother do you think you are when you're taking to your bed or when your temper is so short that you can't hold a thought without barking yeah. at your children constantly. Sometimes we need to take something to get us over the hump or mm-hmm. it may be a lifetime maintenance program. I, I can't guarantee that, but it's certainly, there's only so much that can be talked out, right? Right. I think it serves its purpose, but yes. there is a very small percentage of people in which that is actually the case versus they're in a terrible marriage or they right. have a yeah. horrible job and mm-hmm. all those outside factors that are creating depression and anxiety mm-hmm. where no, there's no magic pill that's going to do anything as far as um, the ignorance of the doctors in which they're prescribing them. There's no way if you mm-hmm. look even at the research of the increase of patients when they started um, giving Adderall to Ritalin to children and and such, it was astounding. It was like 72% over the course of four years. How is that even possible? Yeah. That many children all of a sudden um, develop this ADHD or ADD. Exactly. Where there's just a lot of ignorance in the prescribing of Mm -hmm. where it does, I do believe it serves its purpose. And even sometimes um, it gives you that extra Hump that, like you said, to actually get out of bed yeah. and, and start mm-hmm. the therapeutic process. Because exactly. if I can't even get you to get dressed and come in and see me, what good can I do if there are issues? To exactly. Resolve? And when you have so much internal dialogue, you're not even absorbing what I'm saying mm-hmm. to you because your own their internal dialogue is telling you the polar opposite of what I'm trying to implement into your brain and mm-hmm. create new neural pathways for you to start thinking and feeling differently. Right. So that's super important and very hard. And that's when I just went through this with a patient yesterday. I'm like, just please trust me just for a little while, yeah. just so we can just start implementing. So that's where I really get into the biology and um, how the mind works with patients so they know exactly what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. right? And also, this is where enabling comes in. A lot of patients with chronic depression and so forth, um, will um stay in bed and, and and this I see this a lot with women or and, you know there's some men but a lot of women have husbands who make money and they just can do it mm-hmm. they can do it whereas if they had to go to work to put food on the table yeah. their ass would be out of bed out of necessity right so that that's the enabling you're talking about where they're just you know they're they're not facing their life choices and problems they're just laying in them and that's not getting anybody anywhere. So that brings us to enabling um, our addicts, which is the family is super frightened to say anything. And every time, you know, we're good at it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to slow down. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You know, I'm not that I'm not that drunk. I'm not really. I just had like one beer. It's going to be OK. And we and the family just wants so bad to believe it mm-hmm. that they give into it. Yeah. I think right? of the first um the first time I really got caught, like, I say caught, for, I mean, I was 30 years old, caught, but I'm the baby of five. So I was always kind of the baby and I was always kind of babied. And um, my father is an alcoholic, but a very successful, thriving, like he, mm-hmm. he was our Functioning. Right. He was very functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were all aware of his alcoholism. And I also had a brother who died as a result of his addiction. So it's definitely like no secret in our family. Sure. Um, but I was kind of smart. In the sense that, well, for one thing, I was always fun, but I was never a good student, which going back, I think that that was probably a mix of like anxiety and already substance abuse, really, even yeah. in high school, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, 
my point is that <laughs> enabling, 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 enabling. Oh, so the, the first time that I got like they really started to understand that there was a real problem. I got caught in a series of lies mm-hmm. and my sister, I worked for my sister and I was stealing money and um, I got caught. And then at the same time, I also got caught like I had done like kind of an insurance job on my car. Like, I mean, it was like a whole litany of things. And I didn't fess up to all of it. But like I remember even her like I didn't lose my job. It was like, well, you can stay. We're going to have you take a drug test. Like, but then like eventually I wasn't taking the drug test and I was still there. And I was I don't think I was stealing anymore, but I was like the worst employee. I mean, like the worst. I was really nice. So everybody liked me. But like I wasn't doing shit. I was on Facebook. Actually, I don't think there was Facebook then. But. But playing games on online, you know, whatever it was. But everybody in my family worked so hard to, like, keep me sick, really. Like, they were – my parents sure. were paying my rent. I had a good – I was making a ton of money. I mean, not a ton. But, like, Doing plenty well. to cover my rent. Mm-hmm. But, like, I still didn't have any money. Like, what? at what part did you think, like, she's, you know, 25 making – I mean, I think I was making like five, six hundred bucks a week. Like, that's mm-hmm. plenty of money, mm-hmm. right? But I didn't mm-hmm. have a pot to pay. Like, literally, mm-hmm. I couldn't pay my rent, which was mm-hmm. about four hundred dollars a month. Maybe it was six hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And like, I, my dad just kept coming over and writing the check, you know, because like, surely she can't be that bad. And like, I mean, my car. Like, how many times can your <laughs> like tires get slick? You know, like, how many how many times can that happen before you're finally like, okay, there's a problem? Well, that's denial. I mean, that's denial right, because right. so what is denial? Denial is pretending there's not a problem because if you do recognize there's a problem, you have to do something right, about it. So if right. you deny it, then it isn't there. And nobody wants to think their child's an addict. No. Well, and I think too, you put people in a box. Like, I really didn't look like an addict. Mm-hmm. I really no, didn't. No, you're fit our the cheerleader, bill. our resident cheerleader. <laughs> um, but I, I really didn't, you know, their version of what they thought somebody would look like that was doing those things. Sure. And they didn't really see my drinking as being out of control mm-hmm. because, because that's where else I was smart. I would not, I wouldn't drink before I went. I would drink after. And when I was with my family, I would, I would start drinking. I knew once I put it in, I was going to have trouble controlling it. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't start drinking at seven when the party started. I would start drinking at 10, so I could still take advantage of the free bar, but like yeah. slam yep. them before I go so that I can get prepped for where what I want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't see me really that bad that many times, but they should have been able to tell by the shambles my life was in. And they mm-hmm. really should have been able to mm-hmm. tell. Which brings me to um, Alanon and Narnon, okay? So um, mutual person that we had on the show. Um <clears throat> She, who's dealing with an addicted husband, um, her trips to Narnon and Al-Anon um, are not very successful. She has it completely in, convinced in her mind that he is an addict and he has a disease and we have to just keep forgiving him. I, I, I'm like, what are they teaching you there? Wait a second. I don't think that's the message. The message is you got to do something about it. We're here to give their there to give you support, but you have to make decisions clear yeah. ones right well, uh, yeah i i don't know i mean i think their their alanon's big tag is now i'm forgetting you didn't cause it you can't fix it and you cut it they're three c's right didn't what? cause it can't cure it and don't ask me i don't know <laughs> My know. mom goes to the yeah. Narnon meetings does and she still does yeah she, I does. Think, she still does so mm-hmm. she had some really good support from there that's yeah, awesome. I think, but there's a harsh reality in the beginning that you don't want to hear from people that have been, been there for a long mm-hmm. time. Right, which is that you can't really do anything. If they're not ready, they're not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and Or what you're told to do is in, like, where I think that person was at. That, um, yes. You're just not ready mm-hmm. for the denial or because you have to follow through on the consequences mm-hmm. of, you know, whatever you, the boundaries that you yeah. set. and. And it's difficult because it's different. It's a different situation for every person and what they're able to handle. Mm-hmm. So, I think, well, yeah, and I it's just the three C's when you're. Well, oh, did you? What is it? Uh, didn't didn't cause it. Can't can't control it. Can't cure it. Right. Yeah. Because I think especially the control. I didn't mean to oh. interrupt you. I'm sorry. I was. Um, but like, oh well, I'm only gonna let him. I'm mm-hmm. gonna buy it for him, and mm-hmm. he can only have two beers sure. at six p.m. Like mm-hmm. people really think that's gonna work. Mm-hmm. I know. 
I know. Well, and that brings us to another part of this is that what uh, we I think we can all agree that one of the next things that a family or loved one can do or, or who has a partner or a family member who's addicted or a child is educate yourself on addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're here to do. Yeah. I mean, we're here giving you the blatant, straightforward, for, right, straight from our hearts, what right. happened to us and what we know about addiction. If you're just somebody who's, well, gosh, we've never had a family member addicted to anything. I didn't have a bad childhood, everything. I just ended up being an addict. You know, a lot of people don't understand how addiction works. They think that you can just stop at any time. Right. They think that it's a choice. You know, um, they don't understand. That's one of the best lines out of AA of how um, addiction just creeps up on you. I mm. mean, it just. It was a cunning, powerful. Yep. Yeah. Cunning, baffling, powerful. Yep. Powerful. And it just, the next thing you know, you're in it up to your eyeballs and you don't, you're not even aware of it. Yeah. And you're like, all I know is I can't go without it. Wouldn't you guys, though, as therapists, I don't know if you would agree with this statement or not, but, like, for me, if people say, like, what can I do about my son or my wife or my – I say, like, nothing. (laughs) Pray. Mm -hmm. Like, because the truth is, like – there really isn't isn't anything you can do. If they're not ready, there's nothing you can say. Like we are, I feel like we already kind of touched on this, but maybe mm-hmm. as therapists you guys feel differently. But like I tell people like I don't I don't know. You can say I love you and I'm worried about you, but I think if you're too harsh, that's not good. If you're too easy, that's not good. Well, I think it depends on where you are in the situation. What wouldn't you agree with that, Shannon? Yeah, I mean definitely um there's you have to define where like you can say, yeah, there's nothing that you can do to make them stop, but you can sure make sure there's stuff you can stop doing. So it's not yes, helping yes, them yes, and yes, lay those absolutely. lines mm-hmm. down as far as um, absolutely uh, like a personal family member who continues to be able to drink um, because the mother pays the mortgage out of right. fear because what's going to mm-hmm. happen if he doesn't have a home and he right. loses his house. And yeah. that's very common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like my parents, I know that all the enabling revolved around my child. Because what would happen um, if the father were to get custody or this or that? So, you know, and then my mom thought she could control the situation. So if I'm living there and with them or, you know, that whole concept of yeah. if you mm-hmm. keep the person in your house, you, you're under an illusion that at least you're monitoring, you know, what's going on. And yeah, so, you yeah. Know. Sure. And, you know, and, and, you know, I want to add this. I have a tremendous amount of empathy for the families. Oh, my God. I remember when my brother was addicted to drugs. He was addicted to heroin. I, I, it it was horrible, horrible. I never felt so helpless. I was Mm -hmm. so scared he was going to die. Then at times I wanted him dead Mm -hmm. because I hated him for what he was doing to the family. I love you, Danny. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? It, it, uh, he's a fabulous man now. And I, you know, it's just at the time, It is so volatile, so raw, so horrible. You know, um, I have another brother now who's fighting addiction. You know, he's a functioning addict and pain pills. Goddamn pain pills, Mm -hmm. man. I'm going to take this world down. I'm Mm -hmm. telling you what. Still maintains a good job and stuff. But I mean, I take one look at him. He lives out in California. I'm like, dude, man, you're a mess. Mm -hmm. You're a mess. And it's just it's very sad. So I have a lot of empathy for the families. They don't know what to do. Right. They right. just want you better. And that's the other thing is that in a lot of ways, um, you're right. We have, you know, you have to set down laws or, or rules, you know, listen, okay, we're seeing a problem. This is my ranks. You know, I got my ranks around me and we're all saying mm-hmm. we see a problem. We love you. We want only the best for you. We want you to get better. That is a great approach. Well, you may get some real nasty remarks back. You may mm-hmm. get some flack. But that's the second thing is you do not allow an addict to abuse you. Right. right. To talk to you. I see these. I've seen it over and over again. Right. Choking their mothers or fathers, uh, demanding money, tackling them, mm-hmm. or, you know, t- you know. Basically holding everybody emotional hostage in the house, can't walking on pins and needles. You can say, and so that's where the progression goes. It may start out with, hey, listen, I love you. This is what we see and this is what we're worried about, depending on how that goes. Well, and okay, you're living in my home. Mm-hmm. There'll be none of that in this house. Okay. You know what? We think you're using. If we think you're using, you can't live here. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to progress to the next step, to the next step. And then you're going to start getting the phone calls because what does an addict only know? Consequences. Exactly. Right. And if there aren't any, they're right. going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. But doing that, I think, is the most difficult thing. That yeah. is, especially because of the control issue where you think um, 
just even from everything I put my family through and, you know, retrospect seeing, um, you know, the behaviors and actions of my sisters and my parents mm-hmm. and thinking that they could, you know, can, they were helping and, you know, they didn't want to abandon me. And then I would have no reason to, you know, even try. And, and honestly, my son played a huge role right. because that yeah. was a determining factor. Many times when I was like backed into a corner to go to rehab, he was like kind of like the card they played. Mm-hmm. Um, but being through it on the other end, like with my ex who, I had originally started using with and that dysfunctional relationship mm-hmm. that went on for years and years where I was clean and trying to save him. It's absolute torture. And even yeah. having been through it myself, knowing all that I knew and knowing what it took to get clean, it still was, you can say these things, but to actually apply them um, was horrible. And you have to, I guess, until you come to the acceptance and reality that I cannot change him i can't stop him from doing what he's doing and regardless of what i do he's gonna still continue to figure out a way one way or another and that's hard even on your ego and whatnot Mm -hmm. to let go where you know his mother like i bless her heart like she doesn't know what to do and was Mm -hmm. to the point where she would drive him down and take him to get it because at least that way he was back home in bed mm-hmm. and she knew he wasn't dead on the street versus at three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. yeah. literally wandering in right. Detroit where right. I you know Yeah. And I think but, that's oh sorry. Go, no, I, I was just gonna say that's not gonna solve anything no. either. They're mm-hmm. just gonna die in your bedroom. Right. right. <laughs> you know, that yeah. and that's, that's clearly not gonna help. Yeah. But trying to find that I guess the strength to understand regardless of what you do. They're gonna keep figuring out a way. Right. And um, I I've always learned too, like and it sounds so so harsh, and it probably is harsh, but, you know, every time you take them there, you're robbing them of their bottom. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. And that's really mm-hmm. important because a lot of people don't get there if they don't hit their bottom. Right. I, I don't think I would have. I mean, mm-hmm. I say, like, my parents would have, if they would have stopped paying my rent a couple of years before, I think my bottom would have come faster. I do. Because of course. if I didn't, I wasn't able to work, you know, so if I was at at the end that is Mm -hmm. if i was not having a nice you know flat to live in in gross point yeah and i had to you know become homeless or become if somebody i i think i would have at some point been like well i gotta clean up my act like i have no choice Mm -hmm. because that's really what happened at the end like i was pretty much forced into rehab Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had to go because I knew if they didn't go, nobody was going to pay for my shit anymore. Like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm screwed if I don't go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I don't really recommend that as a method, for me, once I was there, I was like, well, I guess I might as well give it a shot. And it stuck. I yeah. truly believe in force, you know, people. Because yeah. you can't, the way your brain is operating and what's going yeah. on, you physically cannot think properly yeah. to make the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, you have those small little brief windows where I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm so screwed. Yeah. I have to do something. And two mm-hmm. minutes later, I'm running back going to get something or right. you try. And I, how many times did I torture myself going two, three days, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then reverting back? Sure. So I believe you have giving yourself that chance to, you know, being forced to get there so you can get it out of your system yeah. and at least mm-hmm. have some form mm-hmm. of clarity. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a you know, a well, yeah. golden ticket to success, but at least it's a start. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely believe that it has the capability to... Yes, there's definitely, uh, and it's helpful. I mean, and for a lot of people who don't know uh, where to send somebody or what to do, this is a resource for them to at least detox Mm -hmm. and start getting some clarity of mind. Okay, when you're in the fog of addiction, you have no clarity, no reasoning, there's no ability, you're impulsive, you do whatever the hell you want, all you have to do, you know, keeping your phone turned on, they take a peek, somebody's texting them, because Mm -hmm. drug drug dealers will come to your house and deliver these days. They text you, dude, I got some stuff. Years later, here's a free one. I would get text messages of free things. I'm like, how do you even have my number still? They are are consumer-driven. You know, yeah, they they sure. know what exactly what they're mm-hmm. doing. Everybody's not going to some seedy drug house in Detroit hardly any longer. They they'll deliver right mm-hmm. to the suburbs. I mean, it's easily accessible. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, um you loved your son mm-hmm. very much and wanted to get sober for your son. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of women that I've worked with that don't feel that way. That just you know, the the child wasn't leverage and that was really hard for families they're like you don't you even care about your child i mean mm-hmm. the story horror stories at clearview that i would hear right my hair was on end 
You know, and I, we had girls go out that had been there for three months, go out to a dentist appointment and not come back and leave mm-hmm. their kid in the nursery, just abandon them and just take off. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you had that, that want to be with your child so that what, thank God we, you did have that. That was helpful for you, right? Mm-hmm. That was your Achilles heel, your right. child. A lot of people that don't have anything to lose get to that point. They're like, I don't have anything to lose. I don't give a shit. Right. I've lost everything already. But I think that families, the other point I wanted to make about this is families that are enabling should keep a journal, just a daily thing of where they're starting with the initial conversations. I really want to, you know, tell the audience this is super important. Where your initial conversation, the date when this started and what you basically went over with the person that you were concerned about. We talked about how much I love them. I think they're using. I think this. Then the next kind of significant event. They came home high again. I told them this isn't going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and I said if they did, they would have to leave. Okay, now they've been gone two weeks, two months. They just called, said they need money for a car or to get to AA or some mm-hmm. kind of bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And I gave it to them. And now... Now they're back in the house because I'm worried. Mm-hmm. Keep an ongoing journal of that. I wish I had had most of my patients do that with addicts and their family because I said to uh, a patient the other day, I've been seeing you for three years. You came in a badass going, if he ever does this and that's it, he's out. Now we're, he's leaving two or three times a week getting high. Mm-hmm. She knows he's with women, using crack cocaine, spending mm-hmm. his whole entire paycheck and coming home and going to sleep. The other day, I kind of lost my mind. I said, you throw all shit out on the front porch. Did you? No. And I haven't heard from her. Mm. But that's part of, too, where that person is just as sick. Where right. I think they are. I, through everything I put my own self through, I was far sicker trying to save my ex and everything I went through clean, trying the mm-hmm. emotional trauma and everything. Um, I It just... It is. I think I was even almost sicker at that point because I was sober doing this stuff, knowing what I knew mm-hmm. being an addict, that they're the ones that actually need then themselves to set, to have therapy and help of figuring mm-hmm. out why are you doing what you're doing. And because there's that huge codependency where they can't exist without them and them needing them and yep. all of that where there's they don't have the capability to stop helping them. Mm hmm. And keeping that cycle going, basically. And it breaks up so many marriages, so many families. Mm-hmm. The ki- other kids are resentful, you know. And God forbid the patient um, dies. Then the kids are like, you never gave shit about me for the last three years. Yeah. What, what do you mean you're all up in me now? Yeah. You know, you want to yeah. be connected to me and stuff. Where, where, where You didn't care less. It was all about whoever for the last three years and never even acknowledged my feelings. And um, it, it leaves everybody in a really rough spot. But once again, we're saying, I understand how hard this is for the family, but some hardball has to be dealt in order for everybody to survive this successfully. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There has to be some bottom lines. You can't right. show here like this. You can't do that. You wouldn't let a stranger do this to you. Right. Right. You know? I guess, yeah, just coming to that realization that you're not actually helping and getting yeah. over the fear of what's going to happen because you're not in control of that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. with a family member, um, she had lost her oldest son to suicide and the youngest is now an alcoholic. Um, so mm-hmm. not paying his mortgage and not keeping him in a safe home kind of a like she understandably has a you know a yeah, huge it's, fear it's but rough. i mean it, you're it literally takes. not mm-hmm. for the week that's for sure. Right. Mm-mm. But then allowing him to continue what he's doing is just a slow you know, right. means sure, to adapt sure. the same end. Same mm-hmm. with, you know, like my ex has, one of them's a heroin addict, uh, his brother an alcoholic. Both still live at the mom's house. Oh, um, boy. In their, what, both in their late, you know, 30s, doing the same exact thing over yeah. and over and over to at what Poor point woman. are you literally just kind of yeah. allowing them to... You are allowed. What you're allowing them to ruin your mm-hmm. life, and you're you've got as bad of a quality of life as they do. Oh, you probably you know? worse. I think worse, worse by far. Yeah. It was far worse going through that. Yeah, because than, there's no release. Exactly. Right? At least I could get stoned and forget yeah. about it for a minute. Yeah. Of you know how much I hated myself and that stuff. Yeah. But the intensity of emotion is twenty four seven when you're dealing with yeah. a loved one. And the but the thing of it is that you know the family becomes a shell of what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. you become a shell of a woman, shell of a man of of who you were initially when you started this journey. 
This isn't what you expected. So, you know, maybe it is a good idea to broach the subject of, you know, I, you know, I love you. We care about you. We think there's something wrong. And, you know, if you do go to detox, if you do go to rehab, you'll be able to have some clarity of thought. Just give me that. Give me yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, we have enough resources for you to go for a couple of weeks. Get in there. See how you think and feel about it. But you can't be doing this while you're here. I mean, I think if they know more about the biology of what's going on in their brain, I really think we glaze over that about how your brain is completely twisted and making right. just irrational, primal yeah. thoughts. Right. I but- think... Go ahead. Sorry. Um, that being said, too, though, where the parents or families are just as much of an issue, mm-hmm. even once you get that clarity of what we get, 21 days, 28 max of um, rehab, if you come out and go back into the same environment, yep. everything is triggered. There's, you know, your light, everything goes off again in your head like a Christmas tree and you're right back. Yep. Um, kind of. In the right, same right where situation. You, yeah, so making you know necessary changes too, as far as in the family members, um, making sure things are done differently, mm-hmm. is huge because otherwise it, it it serves its purpose to clear your mind. But then you go back to the same enabling patterns, mm-hmm. the same habits, and within a month or two, the person is going to be right back where they were. And that's why it's vitally important that the family get into family therapy. Mm-hmm. If you have a family, if you're a spouse, if you're a mother or father, you get into individual therapy. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets some support and therapy to th- so that you can voice your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Because the last thing you want to do is, like I always say, redecorate your house, change things around. Even if you just move the furniture around and repaint it, which is is, is not costly. Mm-hmm. It's going to change the way you think and feel about that environment if you don't have the luxury to move on elsewhere. Right. You know, but there are addiction communities that you can, there are resources out there if you don't have a dime to your name that you right. can use that will help you. Um, help you to stay sober, one being free that we always talk about, which is AA. Mm-hmm. And AA and Narcotics Anonymous, they get a really bad rap. The first thing every addict is, please listen to me, audience, is every time I go to one of the meetings, everybody there's high. They're offering me drugs. Baloney. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, if you're looking for it, I bet you could, because yeah. there's dudes there and need their shit signed, <clears throat> right? So they can get out of yeah. their tether. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, but there's a whole lot of people there that take it really seriously and mm-hmm. really want to have a successful functioning life. Right. And AA is fabulous for that. And both of you can attest to that. Yeah. Um, before we veer off the subject, I yeah. just wanted to say, like, speaking to the importance of, like, understanding and educating and, like, um, something you said, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, like, I think both alcoholics addicts and their families don't really understand you know for me it took me i was sober for a year before i understood that being an alcoholic didn't just mean that i drank too much right Mm -hmm. it means that i personally have never been diagnosed with depression or or really any kind of Uh mental illness but i am i mean if if we are addicts and alcoholics there is an element of mental illness there Mm -hmm. somewhere i Mm -hmm. I think i mean i I agree um and like the internal condition that tells us that that is the thing that makes us need to fill the hole with alcohol, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I have one of my dearest, dearest friends got sober about four years ago, and she's doing it without the help of, of any kind of program and therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, a component of that, too, I think, is when she first got sober, she had some secrets that she couldn't really get over. She sure as shit wasn't about to do, you know, uh, some exercise where you got to tell people all yeah. your stuff because uh-huh. – her stuff was stuff she didn't want to talk about, uh-huh. right? And to this day, she's carrying all this stuff. And she doesn't want to drink, but right now she doesn't really want to live, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so yep. I've been yep. trying to talk to her about like, babe, if it's not AA, it's got to be something. Because you got to find a way to release all this stuff, all this bitterness. She thinks she's very bad. She thinks she's very wrong. Yeah. And that's what, like for me, that's what working the steps did is take all that stuff away. Like I don't believe that about myself mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't have to be the 12 steps, but it does have to be something. And I think also the physical allergy element of it that like – it took me also a long time to understand that it wasn't it wasn't the third drink, right? Like mm-hmm. that I had a disease that once I put something into my body, there is a, a phenomenon of craving that sets in and I'm not really able to tell you what's going to happen next. So right. I'm going to tell you I'm going to come pick up my kid in a half hour and I mean it, but mm-hmm. I can't – I don't show up for three days because something happened. 
hands down. And 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 obviously with alcohol or drugs, that that is going to be far greater of an influence. But that's also things that are non-alcoholic or uh, over the counter that you still have to be careful of. That will stimulate right. that same response. Like mm-hmm. too many monster drinks. I try to tell people that too much. Um, you know, like a lot of people can't handle smoking weed after that. It just leads right. to something else or the next thing. Uh, vaping. I've told you my kombucha story, right? Yeah, yeah. And so here's the thing. So I, I had, I was hungry. I just slammed a kombucha. Am I saying it right? I'm yeah, hungry. yeah. I um, think so. And I felt ignited. I felt like, woohoo, that's party. <laughs> and I didn't realize. It says right on there. If you have a sensitivity to alcohol, do not drink this. And I see a lot of people like posting about it and yeah. drinking it. And yeah, I'm like, okay, if so that good works for you. you, that's cool. But like, so the other day, I bought another one. I, I know that this doesn't work for me. But I was on Whole30, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's so good for gut health. I'm just going to try again. Maybe that was just a weird day. Mm-hmm. So I got home, <laughs> and I pour it in a cup, and it kind of, like, is pretty, and it's fizzy, and it's, you know. And I took a sip, and I was immediately – I feel it immediately. And it's only 0.5. It's a very small amount of alcohol. But I feel it immediately. And then my babysitter was was over, you know, she was – because I had just swung in. And I'm like, I'm just going to have – I'm just going to have like two sips. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to put the rest in the fridge. Oh, I'm going to put this half over here. I was finally like, I'm going to go ahead and pour it down the sink. Because yeah. <laughs> clearly I have no business with this sure. stuff. Sure. Right? Yes, it's, you it's recognized it. Thank Benadryl. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, I do take Benadryl once in a while. Yeah. I do take Motrin PM once yes. in a while. Yes. But like, I don't really, I got to be on it. I'm not sick. I don't have a headache. Why am I taking this? That's true. Uh, but you know what? We're going to go with whatever keeps us up. <laughs> I mean, together. Right. I mean, I'm no pillar of strength. I'm not, you know what I mean? Right. I do the best I can. But, I'm not drinking. That's all that matters. Right. I'm not doing Coke. That's all that matters. You know, I'm never high. I mean, uh, my body is a sacred temple, but right. I'm sure there's other things I could do that were probably better. But when your well, life works in progress, yeah, you know, progress <laughs> yeah. Not perfection, I right? think like forever, right? We will be works right. in progress. Um, I, what do you think? Of, okay. So, so we've established kind of uh, what needs to be done, you know, from initially talking the conversation, setting down rules, seeing where you are and what you've said to whoever you love and where you are now, how much time has passed, getting them into rehab, hoping you can, to get them into rehab. And we often hear the no money thing, but that's bullshit. You know, there's plenty of stuff you can do without money. Granted, they don't let you stay very long, but there's also funding for mm-hmm. three-quarter housing afterwards right. and so forth, which you can shed a lot of light on right before we end. Um, and then also, um, one of the things is, and, and uh, drawing hard lines, like you're not coming here living like mm-hmm. this and doing these things in our home. I'm sorry, I love you, but if you need a ride to rehab, we were more than happy to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you're not going to Malibu Heights in California. You're going to whatever your money because you're a grown adult can afford you right you know and that's that is a tough tough road yeah that is a really hard thing to do um one of the things though that i hear family members say all the time is um i just want my son or daughter back to the way they used to be but you don't come out like that especially not after what happens if you're in a hardcore cocaine crack cocaine uh heroin addiction when you're ripping and running which means you know for everybody out there um, ripping off people and running to get more drugs and mm-hmm. doing all kinds of wild, crazy shit. A lot of women deal with a lot of guilt because they do a lot of dates, a lot of escort service stuff. Mm-hmm. They feel tremendously guilty about that. I deal a lot with that, my patients on that, on that guilt and shame. Um, you are somebody entirely different. When you, How can you, you – you're not going to be the same girl you were before right. or a man. You're somebody entirely different. And you have to be able to even after you get out of treatment – even with your AA meetings, be able to find somebody. I take McLaren Medicaid. Hello. I'm not one of those who does not take it. I do because everybody needs me, yeah. mm-hmm. not just people with good insurance. Right. You know what I mean? And you can get in there with a therapist that you can, like your friend, tell these deep, dark, filthy secrets they think nobody else has ever done right. mm-hmm. that in reality we've seen as therapists 100,000 times. Right. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Um Families need to stay as normal as possible. Do some of the things with your other children um, for yourself to help keep you clear-minded. You know, first thing that comes to me is yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
super uber helpful. Yep. You know, what, uh, and get to some Naranon, some uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, whatever, um, or I'm sorry, um, Al-Anon, whatever is going to help you to seek some comfort to get a comfort from others who are going through the same exact thing that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Super hard. Yeah. Really, right. really hard. What are some of the resources that we have for patients who don't have any money? Um, well, one, if you'll qualify for state-funded um, rehab. So there's mm-hmm. several different, even if you don't have any insurance at the time, you can get into Salvation Army, Harbor Light. Um, I know even Sacred Heart has a certain amount of contingent beds that you can go to. Okay. Anybody on Medicaid is automatically going to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, seeking treatment afterwards, um, you can get in on the contingent beds, stay for free. And then Macosa is separately funded program which if you complete a, a rehab program, they allow you six weeks at a three-quarter house for free. Right And on. that actually entails also attending individual therapy along with group therapy wow, that's that amazing. is provided. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can get extensions depending on um, the situation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's a plethora of AANA meetings. There's mm-hmm. the um, office I work out of has a resource center that has a whole calendar of events. Of I teach educational classes there. There's yoga, um, art therapy, music therapy, uh, the Buddha recovery, uh, all sorts of different options that can get you involved. And none of that is through like Blue Cross Health Insurance. This no. is state funding. Yeah, the Macosa is all state funded. Wow, um, all that the is programs awesome. run there are through grant money. Um, I'm so glad that they're really delving into the mindfulness part of this because it's really important. I always say, peace of mind is peace in life. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. If you have peace of mind, you have peace in life, and we really and somebody has to teach you that. Right, it just doesn't come over you like mm-hmm. a cloud, right? Right. And I know that SAMHSA, um, Substance Abuse and uh, Mental Health Services Administration. Yep. Um, their number is 800-662-4357, has free 24-hour, 365-day treatment referrals for mental health and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And then ACCESS is a huge for yep. Macomb County. Yeah, and what exactly does ACCESS do? ACCESS is a coordination of care, so you would call them, and they could even determine what level of care you want. So if, you need, okay. if you're seeking rehab, they would get you inpatient services, they can also provide outpatient services. There are other requirements in which you could qualify for the MACOSA funding without going to rehab. They can get you set up with that. They can provide individual counseling mm-hmm. and have access to all providers that take the Medicaid plans. They can get you enrolled in um, the process started of getting actual Medicaid. Uh, there's sure. pretty much provide any services that you're like, um, and they're really nice you're inquiring too, about. By the way, I used to have to deal with them all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So there's plenty of resources out there for mm-hmm. you for free mm-hmm. if you're willing to it's do amazing. it. This is what families need to know, and this is when you are when your child or your loved one is saying to you, "You're throwing me out." You're like, "No, here right. are the resources. This is what you have. This is what you can do. This is what is going to help you." Right. And you can, you know, you could choose to use them or not. Right. Fan is another one, Family Against Narcotics, their yep. website. And they mm-hmm. have um, underneath them a plethora of programs and things that they run. Okay. And, um, and, and it's just getting there. It's just mm-hmm. getting there. I mean, a lot of people, I think, are kind of funky about, you know, I don't know if, um, you know, I want to go to a meeting or whatever. There's going to be people there that don't think like I do. I'm going to have to give up all my friends. I mm-hmm. mean, these are the typical things we hear. Right. And it's like, don't worry, your friends are going to give you up because they're going to feel <laughs> right. they're going to feel inferior because you're not using. So they're going to hold that against you. And anyone that's worthwhile comes back later. You yeah. know, like I feel like I really did have to change everything. But I got lots of people. I got people in my life today that I used with. Because they're, really? they're clean, yeah. Oh, right. That's interesting. It took years, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two people that I use the most hardcore with are clean and sober today. Well, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. It's, amazing. it's amazing. And I mean, yeah. they're not in my life on a regular basis, either one of them. They're both men, and the, you know, we're in a different spot of our life. Mm-hmm. But usually there's like a yearly lunch or something mm-hmm. just to kind of check in and... And that's a beautiful. I know that's not normal. I that's, know that's fortunate, not, yeah, yeah, because most of the people I know are dead. But you know, even <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, well, it, yeah, it I couldn't help like them then because I was sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and you know, I think of friends that I've had forever, but for a while they had to go too. But they're yeah, 
Everyone who's meant to be came back. Mm-hmm. So um, as we do a round robin here, what would um, Shannon, what would you say to any family, any loved one out there that wants to get help for their family? What is the, the most important thing that they can do? Um, if the for their family member? Yeah, for their family member. I mean, obviously address it with them. Mm-hmm. And if they're willing to, like using those things that you just listed, there's plenty of um, support available. And then mm-hmm. if not, they need to get help themselves, get into Narnia yep. and l or actually individual therapy, um, even mm-hmm. if they could seek out one that has substance abuse certifications mm-hmm. because they can give them better guidance as from being, you know, what's going on yeah. of setting boundaries. Yep. Absolutely. What about you, Jules? I like what you said, Shannon. I think um, also get get help for yourself and also like don't be afraid to set those mm-hmm. really tough, firm boundaries that yeah. seem like they're too much. Right. I know yeah. one turning point and even the way that I thought um, being a, a, um, a, a member that was in the program her son was back and forth and the husband wasn't on board and didn't understand it wasn't an addict himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the son eventually um, got arrested. And at that point she was like, I'm done. He, he's staying there. I'm not taking him. I'm not bailing him out. The husband went and bailed him out two days later and he came home from work and found him dead. Mm-hmm. So that's the harsh reality yep. where that she knew because of having been through it and was able yep. to kind of um, yeah. establish that boundary. Yep. Like, no, he's going to mm-hmm. stay there until he's arraigned. The father couldn't understand that, and unfortunately, well, we don't very unfortunate. But that's the harsh reality of yeah. that. You need to suffer the consequences, and that's an ex- direct example of how you're unintentionally hurting, or in you know, essence, almost killing yeah. them, without a doubt. And so that is the final note of this. I think is that consequences are the only thing that an addict knows. Mm-hmm. It is. It's the only thing that that mm-hmm. gets through to them while they're sick, is that there are consequences for my actions and that will potentially help me to stop. What a great show today. And um, and besides that, remember, um, when your family member does get better, because there is plenty of hope out there and they're successful in doing well, no matter how pissed you are, don't bring up the past. Yeah, constant right. encouragement yeah. and yeah. everything that they yep. are doing is extremely yeah, helpful. Sure. Absolutely. Just positive, 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 because they don't need any more of that shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. That's right. Thank you so much, Julie, Shannon, Jessica. Thank you, thank you yeah, guys. What an me. awesome show. Please follow me on Instagram. I did get rid of my Facebook account. So it's kind of like a... 2020 thing I did, even mm-hmm. though my, my business was on there. I just want to be on Instagram. So follow me at Liz Life Guru on Instagram. And um, from me to you, namaste. I love you all from my heart to yours. And we're going to go out with my brother's outro song. Get your ass off the couch and let's do something about our <laughs> lives. Take it easy, girls. Thank you.